with two of our missions partners uh, in Poland and in Ecuador will be our, our student uh, life teams are going to go and they are going to teach English to those that are in Poland. Uh, there's a great desire to learn English and so that's an open door of opportunity where they can build relationships, teach English, and be sharing the gospel. And so our young people are going to be trained to be evangelists and then go into the field in Poland and do just that. And as you saw, teaming with Extreme, Extreme Response, we'll be building a house for a family that's currently living in the Quito dump and uh, providing long-term housing for them. And we want to give you an opportunity to partner. Not everybody can go. There's a couple of dozen that are going. Uh, and uh, not everybody can go, but everybody can pray and everybody can give. And so we're asking you to consider financially partnering. And that's what the pink envelopes are about. I mentioned them last week. They were in your worship folder. They're there again this week. Our goal is $20,000. And we're asking you to partner with us to send these short-term missionaries to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to reach out to students in Poland, to provide housing for a homeless family that's living on a garbage dump. And uh, so we're asking you to partner. You can fill out your, uh, your gift and you can submit it in the offering. You can drop it at the missions kiosk in the back. You can get it to an usher. We'll make sure that it gets to the missions. It comes in as a missions offering. And about one out of every three give online. If you want to give online, you can do that. But thank you for helping us to make this dream a reality and be able to go literally to the other corners of the earth and make a difference in the name of Jesus. Uh, we thank you for that. Well, we are continuing on our series entitled Heaven. Again, straight from the lips of Jesus, He taught His disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done on earth, what? As it is in heaven. And we've been focused on that for four weeks now. We're in our fifth week. We took the first four weeks to focus on really heaven's influence on earth. And we've been using this rope as a simple, a simple illustration of eternity because our life starts and the white tape represents the brevity of our life. And this rope, uh, which is much longer, although it's an imperfect illustration of eternity, it illustrates that really our life is very, very brief in comparison to eternity. And we looked at heaven's influence on our heart, heaven's and our ambitions, heaven's influence on our head and our thinking. We looked at heaven's uh, influence on our hand and everyday life in our home. And we looked last week at heaven's influence on our hip, on our wallet, on our investing, and on, on thinking about living for eternity and eternal rewards. And there's just uh, five key points that I want to touch on quickly by way of review that we touched on last week as we talked about uh, payday. Payday is a great day. And uh, payday is something that we as Christ followers can look forward to. We said last week that there's two paydays. There's a payday for the unbeliever and there's a payday for the believer. We said last week that, that there's two different perspectives on reward theology, if you will. Some people have a, have a mentality and a theology that we should do nothing for rewards. But we saw clearly from the Scripture that we should be motivated by reward, that we should do things in this life motivated by eternal reward. And that's not only okay, it's the system that God Himself designed because Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it's impossible to please God. And that if we're going to please Him, we have to believe two things about Him. We have to believe that He is God. And number two, that we have to believe that He's a rewarder. And so if you have that... Uh, yeah, there, there it is. I didn't see it in the back. So two perspectives, two criteria. God is going to base our pay on our work. 
that we do the right kind of work, so we do the kind of works that He's instructed us to do, benevolent work, serving others in His name, and that we do quality work. We saw last week that everything that we do is going to be judged. It's going to be assayed. It's going to be evaluated. And the, we're going to be rewarded based on the quality of our work. And the quality of our work, a large determining factor of quality is motive. Why are we doing what we're doing? Are we motivated by the right reasons to do the right things? And if we are, then there's going to be great reward. There's two currencies. We talked about the uh, currency of heaven, kingdom currency, and we also talked about confederate currency and using the analogy that before the Civil War was over, there was confederate currency. But at the end of the war, that currency was going to be absolutely worthless. And the wise person would use that currency to translate it into something that would be of value after the war. And we know the war is going to end. Life is going to come to an end. And so we have confederate currency in our hands. And we should do something with it. We should leverage it for eternal purposes. And then last, lastly, two pay scales. We said God doesn't pay hourly, He pays commission. Maybe you've been a, a professing Christian for 30 years. God doesn't pay you for punching the clock. He pays you for doing and being busy and being active in His name. Now, again, want to make it abundantly clear, we don't get to heaven because we work hard enough. That is an insult to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is an affront to the true gospel. Nobody gets there by being good enough. We're all broken. And we all need the grace of God. And we all need faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake. However, our reward is based on our works. And so, God pays commission and He pays percentage. How many of you like making commission and you like making high percentages on your commission? I do. Well, it's up to us because God pays commission and He pays a high percentage, again, based on what you and I do. And so we learned that last week. And so for four weeks we focused more really on the, the, our, the aspect of heaven's influence on our lives. The next four weeks we're going to look at heaven. And we're going to study heaven. And we're going to look at what the Scripture says about heaven because by and large people's thinking about heaven is fuzzy. It's unclear. Typically it's vague. Heaven is a very ethereal place. It's a mysterious place. The Bible says that, that we don't know everything perfectly. It describes seeing through a glass darkly. Have you ever tried to look through a brown beer bottle? Root beer bottle? It's, 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 hard, it's, it's hard to see. I mean, you can see some things, but you can't see everything. You can't see with clarity. And so we, we tend to throw our hands up and say, well, we really can't know that much and, and it's just a mysterious and, you know, God knows, but I don't really need to know and besides that's the next, you know, that's the next chapter, who really cares? And so what I find is in, in, in many people's thinking and even in many Christ followers' thinking, this whole next life and heaven and what it's like is, is, is foggy, it's fuzzy, it's, it, there's, there's a great lack of clarity and because there's a lack of clarity, there tends to be a lack of motivation and understanding. And so we're going to spend some time unpacking what is heaven like. And we're going to be answering many, many questions. In fact, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you a pop quiz. 
But before I give you the pop quiz, I want you to take a look at the video screen. And uh, we, did, we didn't do it, but it was available. A man on the street interview, what is heaven like? And people have some pretty crazy notions about what heaven is like, as you'll see in this next clip on the big screen. Take a look. Wow, Tempur-Pedic, huh? Not the old kind, the new kind. And uh, Cheerios are going to be in heaven. We, we, we learned that. And uh, YouTube videos, yeah, it's kind of like YouTube. It's whatever you want it to be. People have all kinds of ideas of what heaven is like and what goes on there and the things that we'll see there and and who will be there. So I, I thought maybe it would be good if I started with a pop quiz and just gave you a quick quiz. So you, you've got your worship folder. You've got a space for notes. If you don't, then maybe take something out of your neighbor's Bible and write on that. Uh, but uh, I want to give you a pop quiz about heaven. What I'm going to do is endeavor uh, in the next three to four weeks to answer all of these questions and more. But I'm just going to start with a pop quiz. These are, these are yes or no questions, and you just jot down your yes or your no as, 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 as you see fit, and then we'll, we'll set out to bring clarity to some of these things about heaven. All right, here's questions. Yes or no, pop quiz questions about heaven. Will believers spend all eternity up in heaven? Yes or no? Will heaven be more of a spiritual place than a physical place? Will I know what goes on here on earth once I am in heaven? Will we no longer need to pray 
once we're in heaven? Will there be time in heaven? Will we have our same identity in heaven as here on earth? Excuse me. Will heaven be characterized more by idleness than activity? Will we have spiritual bodies in heaven? Will we look like we do here on earth in heaven? Now, these are some of uh, the questions that my kids were discussing. Will we fart and burp in heaven? <laughs> Leave it to the Elif household. Uh, here's another one. Is cotton candy really angel poop in disguise? Important questions. I digress. Let's get back to some more pertinent questions. Uh, will we have to speak vocally or will we just communicate telepathically and just understand and know? Will we need to eat food in heaven? Now, we know there's the marriage supper of the Lamb and that there will be food, but will we need to eat food on a regular basis in heaven? Will we be more like angels than human in heaven? Will we still have emotions? Will we have desires? Will we still have all five senses? Will we be male and female, or will somehow we be different in heaven? Will we appear the same age as we are here on earth? These are important questions. Will there be coffee in heaven? And of course we have to follow that up with, will there be chocolate in heaven? Those are important questions. Will we be capable of sinning or disobeying in any way? Will we have free will in heaven? Will we ever be tempted? Will we know everything? Or will we still have to learn? Will we sleep in heaven? Will we work in heaven? Will we have our own homes in heaven? Will there be gravity in heaven. We know there's gravity on earth. Is there gravity in heaven? Will we remember everything from our life on earth when we're in heaven? Will there be marriage in heaven? Will there be family in heaven like we know family here? I, I'm married to Carrie. I have six children. I have, we had three miscarriages, so we have nine children. Will, will we all be together and will we be a family in heaven or will we just be like brothers and sisters in Christ. What will the family unit look like in heaven? If you have loved ones in hell, will that spoil heaven? Will we ever disagree in heaven? Will all people be equal there? Will there be any form of private ownership in heaven? And will there be any foreign languages or will there all be one language? Does everybody speak the same language in heaven? So those, those are some questions that we're going to endeavor to answer, not only today, but in the weeks that follow. And I'll be sharing the next few weeks, and then Tim Chantier is going to take uh, week number four on this four-part series. And he's going to talk about maps and how to know for certain that you're going to heaven. Now, you don't want to miss that because that's pretty important to know the right roadmap to getting to heaven. Speaking of questions, I, I meant to mention this. In your worship folder, we're kicking off a new series entitled Why. It kicks off Easter Sunday morning, and it'll be uh, probably four to five weeks. And we're going to be answering some of life's toughest questions. Easter Sunday, we're going to be talking about why does any of it matter? Why does the blood, why does the cross, why does the empty tomb, what's the big deal? 
Why does any of it matter? We're going to be talking about why does bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? And some really tough questions. And maybe you want to submit your question. Dozens were submitted last week. Fill that out. Drop it in uh, the, uh, one of the kiosks as you go by or get it to an usher. Turn it in. And uh, we'd love to know what you're wondering, uh, your tough why questions. So, all right, let's, uh, let's go to Scripture. We did the pop quiz. We heard from man on the street, some crazy notions about what heaven's like. Let's begin to look into Scripture and really be amazed at some of the detail that the Bible gives us about this next life and this place called heaven. I'd like to begin by reading in Revelation, the 21st chapter. And I've got several verses for you there, and then I'll read several more verses uh, in that chapter. And you can follow along if you like, Revelation 21. And today we're going to deal with three myths about heaven. We're going to expose three very common misunderstandings as it relates to heaven. But let's begin reading in Revelation, the 21st chapter. John is writing, he saw visions of heaven, he described many things about heaven, And he's writing in verse 1, Revelation 21, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. So John saw this. He was seeing into the future. And that's why the book is called Revelation. He goes on in this chapter. And, uh, and he s- describes this city that he sees coming down out of heaven. And what he describes as a new heaven and a new earth. And he, in, in amazing detail, he describes this city... In verse 11 of chapter 21, he says, This city shone with the glory of God. It sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. He says, The city wall was broad and high with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three, three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. He measured the city and the gates. According to human measurement, the city was 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles deep, and 1,400 miles high. Now you know it's got to be coming down out of heaven because we can't build anything 1,400 miles high. But this is the description and the actual measurement of a city that's coming from heaven to earth. And then John goes on to describe this city. He says the walls are 216 feet thick. Wow! That's that's probably about, this this auditorium is probably about 200 some feet wide. So the walls are that thick. The walls are made of jasper. The city was made of pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city built on foundation stones, and then he describes the twelve very exquisite, valuable stones that were part of the foundation. And the gates, each gate gate made of a single pearl. Wow! They do it different in heaven. (laughs) They they have different building codes in heaven. 
They use different material there. And so John is describing this amazing scene that he is seeing into the future. And what I want you to hear this morning is what John said in chapter, or in chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, because it exposes the first myth that we're going to talk about this morning. The first myth about heaven is that heaven will be the permanent home for Christ's followers eternally. That's a myth. Heaven is not the eternal home for true Christ followers. Now, some of you are, are, are saying, whoa, time out, preacher, wait a minute. What kind of Bible are you reading out of? Well, just hang with me here. Now, somebody said, wherever God is, that's heaven. And we're going to be in the presence of God. And so I'll give you that. Wherever, wherever Jesus is, wherever God the Father is, wherever the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the three in one, the one in th- wherever He is, that's heaven. Would you agree? And Paul said, and we studied this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, these bodies are like tents. We're going to fold them up and we're going to put them away one day. And then we're going to get brand new bodies in heaven. And Paul said, because of these things, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith regarding the future. We know there's coming a day when I'm going to put off this physical body. And I'm going to have a brand new body. In fact, Paul said, we are so convinced of it that we prefer to be absent from this body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we have as our ambition to please Him. So we, we looked at that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We know the Scriptures teach, when I vacate this body, I'm going to, as a Christ follower, as a believer, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus because to be absent from the body is to be present with who? Present with the Lord. The Bible teaches that clearly. So I will be in the presence of Jesus. I will be in heaven. But what the Bible teaches us is that we will not live in heaven eternally. The Bible teaches us, actually, that heaven as we know it, as we understand it, as the Scriptures describe it, is actually an intermediate heaven. The word intermediate means temporary. It's not permanent. So as a believer, if I were to, God forbid, if I were to drop dead right here on the stage, I believe with every fiber of my being, that I would be ushered by angels into the presence of Jesus Christ. And that all all true Christ followers one day will will join with me and we will be in heaven. But eternally we don't stay in heaven. The Bible says that heaven is actually going to come back to earth. That's what we were reading in Revelation chapter 21. It talks about this new Jerusalem. It talks about this city. It talks about... Jesus coming back to earth, setting up this this heavenly city on earth and ruling from that place eternally. So the Bible teaches us very clearly, yes, as Christ followers, as believers, we will go to heaven and there will be a season, there will be a period. Exactly how long we don't know, but the Bible talks about a millennial reign of Jesus Christ, a thousand years. And then Satan and all of his minions will be judged and thrown into the lake of fire. It says that there will be a a final judgment, a final resurrection of the dead. And then the Bible describes the earth 
being renovated. Peter talks about this in 2 Peter chapter 3. In fact, let's, let's go look at that verse. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, In keeping with God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. He goes on to say in verse 13 that the heavens as we know it, the atmospheric heavens, are going to disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat or in the intense heat. The earth and heaven atmospherically is going to be completely renovated by fire. And then we will experience what the Bible describes as a new heaven and a new earth. So myth number one about heaven is that that's going to be the believer's home throughout the eternal ages. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches at some point after the millennial reign of Christ, after the, re the resurrection of the unrighteous dead, the earth is going to be renovated, and then this city of God is going to come to earth. Amazing. So the Bible actually has an astounding amount to say about the next life. Randy Alcorn said this, We must not be confused about where and in what form we will spend eternity. The Bible describes heaven as a spiritual place, but also with physical features created by God, and it is the place where God lives. So we refer to heaven as an intermediate heaven. Again, because this New Jerusalem, this city is going to come back to earth. And Jesus is going to set up an earthly kingdom. And we sang about reigning with Christ this morning. This is, this is in our future as Christ followers. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If, if you were going to take a flight, let's say you lived in a shack here in the greater Lansing area. You lived in just a tiny little run-down shack. And you had the opportunity to go live in a brand new home out in sunny California. And so you were going to fly, you and your family are going to fly out to California. And, uh, and you're going to fly out by way of Dallas. So you're gonna, you, have a, you have a layover in Dallas. It's a 12-hour layover. But your ultimate destination, let's say, is Los Angeles. And you're going to live, I don't even know what the the outer edges of uh, suburbs of, of, of L.A., they, it all gets swallowed up. But you're going to be somewhere really nice, okay? You're not going to be in inner city L.A. unless you want to be there. But anyway, I digress. You're flying there, beautiful new home, and you're flying by way of Dallas. If somebody asked you, where are you going? Would you tell them I'm going to Dallas? No, you, you tell them, I'm, no, I'm flying to Los Angeles. That's my ultimate destination. I'm going to... Dal uh, excuse me, I'm going to Los Angeles by way of Dallas. What I'm saying this morning is the Bible teaches us that we are going to spend eternity on earth by way of heaven. Does that make sense? There's going to be a season that we are in heaven. But we will be coming back to earth. Probably a better illustration is Extreme Makeover. Everybody has seen at least the commercials, we're familiar Seasons, I don't know how many seasons have been running. And people take a house that needs renovation 
some more extreme than others, and it's an extreme makeover. They, they leave for a while and they come back to a home that's totally renovated. That is actually quite an accurate parallel to what the Scriptures teach. We're going to leave for a little while. Death is going to separate us from this place. We're going to be in heaven. And God is going to do a renovation project on our home called earth. And then we're going to come back here and we're going to live here eternally. Interesting. Actually, the Bible teaches that heaven and hell are going to relocate. Hell is going to be relocated into the lake of fire, and heaven is going to relocate to earth. Utopian idealists seek heaven on earth through human means, but God's ultimate plan is to bring heaven to earth after full redemption of man and after full redemption of the earth and its renovation by fire. So myth number one, we won't spend eternity in heaven. We will spend eternity with Jesus, but we're actually returning to this planet. Myth number two that I want to talk about briefly this morning is that heaven is only a spiritual place. Many of us think of heaven and we think in very abstract terms. We don't think in concrete terms. We we think in uh, very vague terms. And heaven seems like a very spiritual place. There's a few physical references, but, but it's a very ethereal place. And there's a couple of, 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 of little comic cartoons that I have to show you. The first one is pretty typical. shows a guy sitting on a cloud. He's got his wings. He's got his harp. There's another guy, bored out of his mind, sitting on another cloud with his wings. And the lower caption says, a fate worse than death. And the guy's just totally bummed out because he's bored out of his mind. Notice the depiction. Nothing concrete, nothing physical, floating. Seem to be spirits and angel-like wings. This is not an uncommon, although it's a cartoon, I give you that. It's not an uncommon representation of heaven and, and depicts quite accurately what most people think about when they think about heaven. Here's another one. I just put this in as a personal preference. I somehow always knew heaven would be like this. Again, they're on clouds. And the greens, the golf greens are on clouds. I don't know if there's any golf courses in heaven. I hope there are. I know, thank God we're coming back to earth. I think there'll be golf courses. Somebody say praise the Lord. I mean, if you like to play golf. All right? So, but the point, the myth is that heaven is merely spiritual. It's it's only spiritual. It's not physical. Now, Platonism, Marcionism, and there's, there's other uh, doctrines, false doctrines, that teach something along this line. Plato believed that material things, including the body, were evil. Immaterial things, spiritual things, or even heaven were good. So things that are spiritual are good, things that are physical are evil, therefore heaven must be a purely spiritual place. I know that there is more than one theologian that espouses that heaven is purely spiritual because God is a spirit. Well, it's true that God is a spirit, but that doesn't naturally translate to the fact that all of heaven 
is spiritual. So what does the Bible teach? Well, early Christian uh, church leaders, heavily influenced by Platonism, by Philo, by Origen, they taught that human spirits are better off without bodies and that heaven is a disembodied state. There's the rejection of the notion of heaven as a physical place as well as the notion that resurrected bodies will inhabit a resurrected earth. One fine Christian man said this, the idea of having bodies, eating food, and living in such an earthly place sounds so unspiritual. Well, physical things are not evil in and of themselves. And it's amazing the amount of detail the Bible gives us about this place called heaven. Specific, concrete facts and details about heaven. Are they all allegorical? Are they all somehow supposed to be spiritualized? Because the Bible tells us, for example, there are animals in heaven. Specifically naming horses and lions and sheep in heaven. It speaks of a temple in heaven. Smoke and an altar in heaven. And presumably then, fire is in heaven. If there's smoke and an altar, I think it's safe to say there's fire. The Bible describes robes and other clothing. It describes streets. It describes a river. It describes walls 216 feet thick with specific construction materials that are stone and precious gems. Gold. The Bible describes gates made out of single pearls. Are these all spiritual and allegorical? Or are they physical? These are all things that you and I can relate to that we see here on earth. Are they merely describing something spiritual so that we can somehow begin to grasp and comprehend? Or are they literal because they are things that we can identify with and that we can understand? The Bible talks about bowls and trees and fruit and houses and stones and clothes. The Bible describes heaven as a city. And it describes it as a country. Why? Because much of heaven is physical. It, you, you are going to be probably somewhat shocked and amazed at how earth-like heaven actually is. And after all, isn't home a place where we really feel comfortable? Wouldn't it seem kind of weird to be a disembodied spirit floating around on a cloud? Does that resonate with anybody as really feeling like home? <laughs> no. Well, why is that? Because heaven is a very spiritual place. But heaven is also, it has many physical properties. And it's important that we understand the Bible teaches that. And that doesn't unspiritualize it. It doesn't unspiritualize it at all. Alright? Uh, the Bible tells us that angels can take on human form and that we're to entertain strangers because we might actually be entertaining angels unaware. Isn't that interesting? So they can take on physical human form. Jesus, after His resurrection, had a physical body and the disciples were, they, they were doubting. And so what did He say? He said, reach out and touch Me. Why? Because He was physical. He, they were fishing. He was on the seashore. He was eating. 
regular human food after His resurrection. Was He spiritual? Yes. Did He have a brand new body? Yes. Is it a foreshadowing of the kind of body you and I will have? Yes. Interesting. A third myth that I want to touch on quickly before we wrap up is very simply this. Because the earth is so tied to God's grand plan, the third myth is this, is that the world at some point is going to end. Some people think, and, and of course we, we, we watch apocalyptic movies and, and we hear apocalyptic talk and discussion and uh, it seems to weave its way into the news and all kinds of con- daily conversation. And so some of us have this notion that at some point the earth is going to pass away. The Bible never teaches that the earth is going to be destroyed or annihilated. The Bible does say that there will be an end to this age, but it does not speak of the end of the world. Why? Because the world is going to continue in God's grand plan. The world, is, as we've already looked at, is going to be renovated by fire. It's going to be renewed. It's going to be an amazing place. The Bible tells us there will no longer be any ocean or sea. Presumably, there will be rivers and water. But it's going to be very different than what it looks like now. But God has an eternal plan for this planet. It's not going anywhere. This age will come to an end. This age of of sin and of the world being broken and and being under a curse. You and I can't even... we, we We can begin to imagine what Eden must have been like and what heaven will be like and what earth will be like here after it's renovated. No evil. No sin. No curse. It truly is hard to imagine because the curse has woven itself into every fabric and facet of every aspect of life, including the planet. So it's going to be radically different. But God is not going to throw this planet away. God has grand plans for this planet. So those are three myths that we expose by looking at Scripture. Next week we're going to continue talking about myths and mysteries. Then we're going to talk about mirrors. And so as the worship team comes, we're going to prepare to close. We're going to look at mirrors, and you're going to be shocked at some of the things that we, that we glean from Scripture. Glimpses into heaven. I'm really excited, and I hope that you'll plan on spending the next few weeks with us. But let me, just, let me close today by saying this. We're sending a team to Ecuador in June. And we're, we're going to rescue a homeless family. We're going to build them a house. We're going we're to radically change by God's grace and with His... We're going to change their lives. Now, does, does that family know any of us here in this, in this room today? No, not one of us. Has this family done anything to deserve this new home? Nothing. It will be provided for them as a sheer gift of God's grace through us, North Point Community Church. Right? What a picture of what we're talking about this morning. That we have a place being prepared for us. Not because we've earned it. Not because we deserve it. But as a sheer gift of God's amazing grace that we get to enjoy. Let's just close our hearts and with a worship team, 
lift our hearts this morning in worship and in thanks to God for that reality. And then I'll be back to close in prayer.
Father, as we prepare to go again, Lord, we are just blown away and humbled by these amazing realities that God became a man, partnered with us, became one of us, submitted Himself to death so that we might have life and forgiveness and eternal life and get to kick it with God for all of eternity in an amazing, wonderful, beyond imagination, mind-blowing place called heaven. And God, I pray through this week and in the weeks to come that as we just meditate on these realities, Lord, we would become homesick. And nothing of this earth would have a grip or have power on us or pull on us. But there would there would be a gravitational pull toward heaven that would develop in our lives. I pray that as a blessing for each person under the sound of my voice in the beautiful name of Jesus. Do you agree? Do you say amen?